0: Most businesses today face two major marketing challenges. One, people are overloaded by information. We're talking about 4.5 billion pieces of new content every day. And two, people have much shorter attention spans and spend only about eight seconds on anything before they jump onto the next thing. It's no wonder that companies are struggling to get their message heard. The result of poor marketing communications is that half of all new business ventures fail in their first four years, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. With this in mind, Visual Storytelling Institute co-founders Shlomi Ron and Alex Caravallo ask themselves, how can businesses connect more powerfully with audiences? Welcome to Visual Storytelling Today. This is your number one source for the latest and most effective business marketing strategies you can apply today to rise above the noise. From video and infographics to augmented and virtual reality, join us every month to meet notable visual storytellers and discover their marketing insights and stories. Here's your host, Shlomi Ron.
1: Welcome to the Visual Storytelling Today Show. My name is uh, Shlomi Ron. I'm the co-founder of the Visual Storytelling Institute uh, based here in Miami, Florida. And today uh, we have a fantastic topic uh, to cover. Uh, I'm sure everybody is uh, struggling with visual content, in uh, on one hand realizing the importance of the topic, but at the same time need some help uh, figuring out how to get started. So for this, uh, uh, for today's show, we have a fantastic guest. Uh, his name is Paiman uh, Tai. He's the founder and president of VisMe. Uh, it's a great uh, tool. I've been using it uh, myself. Uh, it allows you to create engaging presentation and infographics and other forms of visual content. Uh, He's also the founder of Hindsight Interactive, an award-winning uh, Maryland-based digital agency specializing in website design, user experience, and web app development. So with that, uh, I'd like to welcome Paiman to the show. Hi, Paiman.
2: Thank you. How are you, uh, Shlomi? It's been a few <laughs> weeks since we've talked, but uh, yeah, digitally, but nice to see you again.
1: Exactly. And just uh, for the folks uh, watching or listening to this podcast, uh, I met Paiman a couple months ago where I was looking for a visual content solution uh, for our uh, organization and definitely uh, found interest in his platform. And since then, we he also was kind enough to uh, feature me as a uh, part of the Ask Me Anything program, a great piece about visual storytelling. That uh, actually, the idea was really nice because the question were sourced from uh, uh, people uh, from the net. So it was a great success. And again, thanks, Spyman, for the opportunity.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, so You're absolutely. So, as we start with any guest, uh, we would like to kind of uh, get a sense of your backstory and maybe if you could share with us, uh, how do you get started uh, in general? Forget about Visme, but what is your yeah. backstory? <laughs> uh,
2: so I was always uh, interested in you know, animation and design, I think, uh, you know, but I was just never good at it. I, I suck at drawing. Uh, my handwriting is terrible, so I like to type instead of writing. Uh-huh. Um, but my uh, major back in college was in biology, I was going to be going into sports medicine and, uh, you know, so that's kind of uh, where I was. I was, you know, pretty much into bodybuilding and, uh, you know, and that aspect. Uh, But by the time, you know, by it was time to go to graduate school, I think it was my junior senior year, I kind of, I guess I knew by my sophomore year that it's probably not what I want to get into, as in uh, as far as a career goes. But I really didn't know what I wanted to go into. But little by little, the whole internet thing was taking off. At that point, it was 2001 or 2000, actually 1999, 2000. And so, um, I to kind of pay myself uh, my way through college, I ended up just starting to design websites, just basically playing with you know very very early versions of HTML programs. Um, back in the day, you kind of you don't need a designer and a developer. Today, you know there's a person that designs it yep. and a person that codes it. Uh, in those days, there was no you know back end to websites, so you just kind of designed it and coded it. So that's kind of was a one man thing. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so that kind of turned into a little uh, small web design agency, uh, which I called Hindsight Interactive, and. Um, to this day, I still run, um, and uh, it's you know a small team about about ten people right now. A quick question:
1: but, When you when yes. you get when you first started uh, with the web design, did you? take any
2: classes in uh, design? And- um, no, it was, I was already, I was pretty much self-taught. So I, you oh, know, wow. I, a lot of practice scenario. Yeah. I mean, so you, you know, in design, you just kind of hmm. look at things and you learn your way. You look at a lot of examples. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of today why I'm into visual communication and, and, and so on, but um, yeah. So that's how it started. And then uh, fast forward to around 2009, what ended up was I always mm-hmm. have a passion for you know things moving, interactivity, and so on. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: about a decade ago, you created a lot of things in Flash. Uh, that was a program that was by Adobe, and so oh, well, yeah. Adobe bought it. Um, and so a lot of the websites we created were very interactive. And when the iPhone, the first iterations of it came out, uh, they did not support Flash They're soon after. And therefore, as a result, that was the demise of the program. Uh, so that's how Visme kind of came about. It started as an animation tool um, that was based on HTML5, oh, which wow. is really the fabric of the internet. You can't get rid of it. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that ended up in our, by the time we launched the beta, it was really for designers to create this, the flash content as HTML5. That's something that, you know, you could still view on different devices. Uh, but once we did a very soft beta, we soon realized that there is a better potential and really what we should be doing is to maybe gear this towards the mainstream. And so fast forward today, um, animation interactivity is a part of uh, VisMe, but it is not, um, it is almost a, you know, uh, sugar, uh is right. icing on a cake. So it is not the reason people use the application. They use it to create visual content such as presentations and and for and so on. And then they, they can also take it to the next level by utilizing the interactive piece of it.
1: So your so core target not, is really uh, non-designers, basically.
2: Um, yeah, it is pretty much. I mean, we do have designers that use it, but I would say mm-hmm. about 95% are, you know, beginner to intermediate, um, you know, designers. Uh, well, They're not really designers. So they're beginner to intermediate individuals and professionals um, and that have very little to no design experience.
1: Got it. Right, so that that's a very interesting uh, journey, definitely from biology to web design, early days, and then kind of uh, adding some of the HTML five later technologies to kind of uh, get it uh, into a more timely, more accessible platform for the masses. So, Correct. Fantastic, this Thank is great, and so. As you know, us at VSI, the Visual Storytelling Institute, our mission is really to celebrate visual storytelling and bring it to marketers and content folks that are trying to break through the clutter. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, especially since you are managing both an agency and a visual content slash storytelling platform, what is your definition for visual storytelling?
2: um yeah so uh, in terms of i believe um uh, it when it comes to visual communication in general i mean you mm-hmm. are basically you know telling stories so we can call a visual storytelling and call it visual communication or visual marketing in essence you are telling stories uh now uh, you may be uh, when people think, or even, you know, I always have a hard time, uh, even to this day, when I think of stories, I'm thinking of a story that, you know, you were saying is nonfiction and so on, but that's not really, or yeah. a fiction story, it's not necessarily the case. Uh, you know, you can tell stories in different things. You can tell stories about products, you can tell stories about, you know, service, you can tell, uh, you know, stories about um, an organization and about an individual and so on. And so in terms of the marketing and sales aspect of it, it's usually about a product or a service. Um, right. And then you can detach, you know, other elements to it. Uh, so when it comes to visual storytelling, I believe um, it, it really is about uh, being able to say it or tell it or show it. I guess is, is the right word to say mm-hmm. um, in a um, digestible manner. So rather than writing a book or rather than having mm-hmm. paragraphs and paragraphs of content, you are communicating visually, uh, and so in bits and pieces, easy to digest pieces. Uh, you're able to um, resonate with your audience and get the point across. Um, and uh, that's kind of, I believe, in, in a nutshell uh, what you, at least your focus should be. Because one of the mistakes that non-designers, I believe, make, and again, I do this in my uh, video series and other uh, thing, material that we create at VISME is to teach and show them that it's very easy um, to get uh, very detailed and too granular with information. Right. Uh, but so you have to kind of—you're um, not writing an essay in terms of yeah. you know, communication. So you have to kind of step back and focus on almost the outline. What are the absolute key points, the main statements? Um, so think of the—you uh, know—the title and the subtitle, the, the short phrases, um, the numbers, the stats, the figures. Those are the things that really matter the most. And to emphasize those and to um, visually represent those elements because that's what you're kind of uh, really doing. And that could be in a format of a, you know, might be a simple graphic, it might be an infographic, it might be an interactive video. Uh, but at the end of the day, your really main focus is to uh, concentrate on the minimal, uh, the most, inf- uh, the, the top level information.
1: Awesome, and I think, you know, I assume probably also uh, when you talk about to making it brief and, In a story format, you're referring to uh, this three-act story structure, you know, setting, conflict, and resolution. So there's a nice flow, obviously, to (laughs) the the visual story.
2: That is exactly right. Yeah. So you know, in terms of the meat of it, you know, you got to divide it into. It's you know, I was just doing a three-part series on presentations, and also Mm -hmm. doing one on infographics, and. Um, you know, the, the way that you create them, even though the formats are different, right. the way you tell the stories is actually not much different, you know? So you're exactly right. I mean, you have the, um, you know, the story itself that you build. you know, the thesis almost, and then you actually have eventually the climax, and then you have uh, the resolution uh, in that aspect. So, you know, whether you say it in a visual, uh, in a um, slide format, or whether you say it in a tall infographic uh, the the difference is not uh, you know is not that drastic
1: yeah no absolutely and that's exactly what we also uh, tell our clients you know visual storytelling it's really a story marketing strategy that has three components one is you gotta use the three act story structure mm-hmm. the setting conflict resolution two which mo- most marketers for some reason I'm wondering if you get the same experience kind of a uh, skip they you know, tell the story from their perspective, where they need to tell the story from their customer perspective. So the customer is the hero of the story. It's not about the brand. The brand is just a guide or, you know, helping them along the way. And the last piece is really that you definitely need to communicate your story through some visual uh, formats, you know, images, videos, all the way up to AR and
2: VR that that's exactly right uh yep. so i mean it is you know it's got the word visual in it so it has to be visual right
1: yes yeah
2: <laughs> so yep. you know you say you say a number uh mm-hmm. such as 63 percent you know or you say yep. sixty three thousand. Um yep. It you know it's good to actually have it as a figure but be able to represent that as, as something uh, it almost emphasizes it so um one of the advantages again in the visual communication world is that you get to um, you know, tap into the visual, the, um, the brain on the individual. I mean, we are visual beings. That's how we were born. Yep. I mean, a lot of times people talk about this as if visual communication is something new and it's actually mm-hmm. no. I mean, before there was anything such as language and writing, there was visual communication. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, you know, petroglyphs were used by cavemen and then uh, uh, hieroglyphics by, you know, Egyptians. I mean, those were formats of writing, but they were actually completely visual. And then, you know, now we come in today, it's almost like we're coming back full circle, you know, where I believe that in some ways uh, humans kind of lost the, the, the method of uh, communication where it went into writing a lot of content and text, which is great right. where you want to get granular and talk about things. I mean, you know, there is yeah. an absolute purpose about forwarding humanity as far as the amount mm-hmm. of information you have to tra- transfer, but right. um, at the, the top, top level of it is um, you know, being able to resonate visually. And so there is just study after study um, and uh, proving that if you are able to represent things in a visual manner, which is why ads in a visual manner are so much more effective than let's say a text mm-hmm. ad, uh, that is, uh, you, know, you wanna utilize that as a tool um, in your business, in your marketing, in your branding efforts.
1: Absolutely, so if we take uh, what you just said in terms of uh, all of the fantastic gifts that uh, visual communication uh, provide marketers both from uh, you know the native perspective, you know we born like that we are much more visual uh, beings, as you said, and also the fact that we see it on the ground, you know customers respond better to visual content than uh, text based so if we take this to uh, basically the drawing board where a marketer needs to really come up with a, a visual uh, content marketing plan, then what would you say uh, the typical business objectives uh, visual content serve? And also if you can talk a little bit uh, about uh, the point of intersection with the buyer's journey, because those things I think are connected. Sure.
2: Um, so uh, are, are you asking in terms of for the marketers, what how could they utilize visual uh, formats into their uh, marketing
1: yeah so if you look at like the, the classic funnel you you know visual content is it an awareness play is it kind of mid-funnel sure. and how you can support you know the stages in the buyer buyer's drive? Um,
2: well I believe in you know when you think of marketing it is more often used at the top of the funnel um, mm-hmm. you know in a very generalized format think of a graphical ad or you think about it on social media and you um, have um, images or graphics and so on that you tap into in your news feed so you may be able to it might be a sponsored ad it yeah. might be an ad on tv but so it actually starts very very visual right because the first thing is that when you want to um communicate something to an individual uh your audience uh especially those that are at the top of the funnel uh, they mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of noise and right. you are just uh we are hammered by You know, hundreds and hundreds of uh, different ads and different visuals all day long.
1: 4.6 billion content pieces according to LinkedIn.
2: Yeah, yeah. so (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and you think about it uh, at the end of the day, and I think a a marketer needs to think of an individual uh, as a, think of your audience. So Mm -hmm. if I'm going to sleep at the end of the night and I look back to my day and I say, what is, what do I recall today? You know, in terms of what was most interesting to me today, Mm -hmm. what content do I recall today? Right, it um, often may not be an article um, where you're thinking of. Let's say if it was an article, mm-hmm. uh, it may be the visual. I'm actually visualizing pieces of that article versus the text on it, right? So, or the right. point out it. So you're basically need to yeah, the visual communication when done properly. You can actually do it incorrectly as well. Um, it allows you to eliminate the noise, and so you can actually more easily communicate or get your idea across to your audience. So yes, at the top of the funnel, I think it's key uh, to utilize it because once you have warmed up that individual into an actual lead or a prospect that has Mm -hmm. some interest, they've actually clicked through and come to your site, they've clicked through and gone to your article and so on. Um, You know, they're a little bit more open to taking a few more seconds actually reading and being served additional information. Uh, So I think it is actually more at the top of the funnel than at the Mm -hmm. very, very bottom of it. Right um, now, in a mid funnel, I think mm-hmm. let's just think of it as I'm trying to gear consideration, basically. Yeah, consideration. So if I'm trying to bring more, you know, traffic to a blog, let's say a marketer that's the, and, you know, they are doing content marketing and they mm-hmm. were writing content, they are doing visuals externally, such as an infographic, and they want people to click yeah. and come to their site and so on. Right. Um, so when you come to the website, it almost starts over again. You have a new message, or you're reaffirming something. Mm-hmm. But, um, being able to, at that point, um, being able to tap into visuals, combine it with content. So if it's a blog post, you might have a 15,000 word yeah. blog post. Your cover image is key because that is what's going to speak, you know, to sure. the individual or reaffirm the title of that article. And then, you know, you have a few paragraphs and you have a visual, a few paragraphs, a visual, a couple of paragraphs and you have a visual that actually, um, you know, is, uh, resonating within that content. So it's a supporting mechanism in essence. So what you can do is instead of having a very, very long piece of article or or ebook and so on, being able to tap into maybe it's photos, maybe it's GIFs, maybe it's actual visuals that you're creating, maybe it's chart, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, that really helps to um, improve the engagement that the user has. Um, and uh, I can't recall if there was a study or not on that. Um, I don't, at least I don't remember the, the info on it. But if you have a very tall article... Uh, what are the chances of an individual uh, a remembering it and then two finishing it in terms of percentage wise? Yeah. Um, versus one that has supplemented, you know, effective visuals in between it, you very likely are going to get better engagement with the the one as a combination of both. So I, I wouldn't be saying this in terms of that an individual needs to replace mm-hmm. you know visual yeah. with, with text when there's absolutely a purpose of it. I think it's more of a matter of using it as a supplementation. Um, right. When it when it merits.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, the, the bulk of, you know, the impact of visual content is definitely happening at the top of the funnel to support awareness objectives. And here you can throw in the videos, the infographics, and uh, some e-cards if you're doing these sure. things. And as you go down the funnel, now you're kind of entering the, the territory of long-form communication, it could be a blog post, yes. But then you can actually support it with a still with visual, just to make it more interesting and more engaging, so it's not dry.
2: That's and, correct.
1: And after, I would argue also to kind of continue your line of thought, you know, after mm-hmm. you close the deal, maybe that's the point. Obviously, you can celebrate. Obviously, that you have a new customer. So it's kind of the your onboarding experience could also be supported with visuals. And and later on, you know, once they are happy customer you can actually use a visual strategy to turn them into advocates. So basically some cooler, you know, visual materials, I don't know if it's videos or maybe featuring them, their customers, maybe the testimonials, uh, video testimonials become an interesting tool to celebrate, uh, you know, what we I call agree.
2: Heavy customers. uh, That's that's absolutely correct. Um, And we actually would be a little bit guilty of it. We haven't tapped into that (coughs) at the very bottom of the funnel. Yeah, Uh, use it a lot for the the top or the middle. But uh, that is absolutely correct. And I guess uh, in addition, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of you, you know, there are definite use cases for um, you know either towards the bottom of it as well in terms of when you actually have generated a lead, and. for example, for I think academic-wise, you know, when you right. do a lot of stats and information, um, you know, even if you grab that, then you have, let's say, an e-book and you have a literature material, Right. Um, the way that you're presenting information, if it's a lot of data, big data or large inform- uh, uh, amount of stats and so on,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: the very highly uh, – uh, correlated um, visuals such as infographics or heavy graphs, I think they have a great place in academics, uh, you know, because you can take this uh, tremendous amount of information that would otherwise be a, you know, multi-page, let's say, uh, document
1: yeah. and actually yeah.
2: translate that into a visual. Uh, so that's something I think that uh, serves pretty well, you know, in the on the academic side.
1: No, for sure. Yeah, I mean, from this perspective, you know, if you need to kind of dumb it down to simplify the argument, I think it's probably very similar to a video game experience where people, as they progress in their levels, they get some visual uh, gratification yeah. <laughs> celebrating their, their t- success and moving to the next level. And, you know, in the buy 's journey, I mean, you're doing the same thing. Obviously, we're not saying here that you need to uh, gratify them with the same visual <laughs> message every
2: time. I mean, it brings up another example. So at our agency, um, it's uh, when my colleagues had that idea, and it's kind of been neat. Uh, It's just a, you know, just for fun, but I think it's been actually pretty, uh, kind of a nice gesture. So each time that we uh, finish developing a site for a client, Mm-hmm. Um, and they when the site goes live, and uh, you know, and to kind of add to the excitement, there is a graphic that we send them in an email. You know, congratulations! Your site is launched. It's actually like a rocket uh yeah. an illustration that is taken off, representing their website. So they, it's been kind of a kind of a neat thing. Yeah. So it's an afterthought in that aspect, which you know is supported by the visual versus actually saying, "Hey, great! Your site's launched."
1: And I'm a great believer in those little things because customers pay attention to those things. I can give you like a short story, you know, I went to an Italian restaurant here in Miami and with my wife for dinner Mm -hmm. and one night, you know, the the waiter uh, just set us down in a table and then he brought this little low stool that Uh I didn't realize what it was, (laughs) what's the purpose for this. And he said, oh, this is just for your wife to put her bag on.
2: <laughs> i mean like come on yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. those
1: little things and the fact that i'm telling this story it just gives you a sense of why you know it stuck with me so i'm sure you know if you create those visual uh gratification uh, I call them you know a couple of years ago there was a, a great uh, wave for a random acts of kindness
2: yes yes
1: and i i'm i wrote a blog post uh couple of years ago about how you need to transform this into a routine act of kindness so it's really part of your buyer's journey experience like you do exactly you know whenever you have a client just uh, completed a web uh, project you've celebrated even in even a small way sure it goes a long way
2: that's exactly right uh so yeah you know uh, you know adding to your point that's uh, i agree with that um, you know, it's about it's almost a matter of questioning and not a matter of forcing it But always asking the question is that would a visual improve the engagement in this um, yeah. This level or at this step. It might be a funnel. It might be a process. It might be something else uh, yeah. So, I believe that that's uh, you know an, an add-on uh, So yes,
1: absolutely Great. So now that we got a sense of uh, a little bit of what is visual storytelling, uh, a little bit about, you know, some of the business objectives, the funnel, you know, one of the challenges marketers uh, always, you know, are actually grappling with is the, how they can actually create a visual content that are really authentic, that uh, Mm -hmm. people can, you know, believe it because, you know, there's so much out there. So how can you get, through
2: authenticity? Um, I think the authenticity comes out of the individual, uh, you know, uh, telling their story uh, that is authentic in itself. I mean, I guess copying what everybody else is doing is not yeah. authentic. Yeah, Believe me, you can get a lot of ideas by looking at what others are doing and you, you know, learn from it or you well, work on improving it. But for example, case in point, um, you know, stock photography, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're, let's say you're going to create a graph that's going to represent um, a success or a achievement um, mm-hmm. you know, in business yep. or in relationship. So, you know, and often in stock photos, you get a handshake. I mean, that handshake yeah. has been used so many times, or you have a, um, you know, group of people in a business setting, and they're always smiling, you know, and, and it's not always smiling, you know, that's kind of a little bit cliche, in a sense, what I'm trying to say is that uh, you know, the norm doesn't always work. So it's okay to kind of step out of the boundaries. But mm. A, it needs to be a reflection of what you're trying to say. Obviously, right. you know, the, the messaging has to be appropriate. Um, two, it should be extremely simple and clean. You know, um, mm. I think in, uh, when we talk about visual communication, it's okay to have text, but it should be minimal. Um, uh, you know, just getting off the topic for just a moment, if you look at Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. covers or Facebook posts, when you actually go to sponsor a graphic, if you're going to sponsor a graphic on Facebook,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, if you have too much text, and I believe it's 25, 30% or so off of my head, right? Um, they will not actually approve that graphic. They will decline it because mm-hmm. the point is it's supposed to be visual communication. Right. So that kind of goes back to the saying of, um, you know, less is more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and as far as the process of creating the, um, uh, the visuals, it's great to tap into, um, examples and other, um, what others are doing, but at the end of the day, you got to step back and decide what is the point of this, um, item? What is the point of this design and, um, work your way around that versus, uh, thinking what you need to translate to the user, but step on the other side, what am I, what is it that I want them to understand to so speak their language?
1: So speaking about the process you just mentioned, do you have kind of a sort of like a, a workflow or like steps that you go through typically when you're looking to create a story, visual story?
2: Um, sure. So, uh, it starts with an outline. I mean, a, I, uh-huh. you know, before you even design, I think you've got to know what your story is. So let's say you've established that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know create an outline almost a brainstorming as far as because look here's the thing the first outline or the first um, title or subject that you come up with is probably not the ones you usually got to brainstorm around it it's just like you know it's no different than let's say writing a book or writing a blog post you come up with a few different ideas you um, use the process of elimination to eliminate that and then from there once you have that then you fill between the lines uh, and uh, from there is where you actually move on to the design process, to the actual creation process. Now, you know, non-designers, I think the problem is that they're trying to do, uh, A, they may not have a understanding of contrast and yep. coordination.
1: Colors, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so those are key. Uh, mm-hmm. so you you know, you want to first, um, you know, begin to have a very basic understanding of What are some of the complementary colors? It's actually not very difficult once you understand the principles of it. You know, I did a video about the Mm -hmm. color wheel and how you can actually use complementary colors and from there use an accent color. You basically stick to two if not three colors maximum. Um, Often you actually select one color Mm -hmm. and you just go monotone. You use different shades or tints of that color and then you may have an accent color. The accent may be the call to action, you know, so I'm doing a, um, a graphic for a banner ad on a site. And there might be an image in the background. Um, I want to make sure. And there might be a text. I need to make sure the text has enough contrast against the background. So the white text over dark background will work, you know, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Uh, A blue text over red is not going to work. It's not going to be, you know, or yellow over another. So they don't, uh, you know, they're not complementary colors. Um, And then you have a focal point. Your focal point is where you want the user to mostly uh focus on mm-hmm. uh, now that might be after reading the message it's um the call to action call to right. action. you know button or click here or learn more
0: uh-huh. you
2: make that pop more you make it subtle and get large enough that the user has seen an object and then the color needs to be almost accent so that is the one object that stands out so let's say you have a white text over a darker background or when i say white it might be light text you know mm-hmm. a lighter and then you have orange. Let's say an orange button to the bottom right of it, and it says "Learn more" or "Click here." So you are not going to miss that button, and also it wasn't the first thing you probably looked at because your focal point may have been the text and the image behind it. Uh, so you know that the process of the design it does take practice. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to, you know, think of I need to spend weeks and months to learn how to create elements. A lot of times you start from templates that are already created. It could mm-hmm. be in our tool business, It could be in Canva. It could be many other tools out there. That's the beauty of it is that design is getting, uh, you know, democratized. So
1: yeah,
2: um, you can pretty much create something neat in minimal amount of time. Just understand the very, very basic principles um, and you'll be just fine after that.
1: So, so just to summarize, so basically the first step, obviously knowing your audience is number one, setting your business objectives, but once you know those two things, it's about time to create the outline uh, that kind of spell out your story, how you, what you're going to tell them, and, and then you want to figure out your uh, design uh, strategy, what, how you're gonna actually going to execute this. And, and we kind of on purpose, kind of describing very generic process that most likely could apply to any visual format, right?
2: Uh, it does, and I guess just uh, backing up a little bit, you're right, it, you know, the, the principles of colors and as far as uh, yeah. contrast, I mean, they apply to any design. It could be anything from a video down to just a graphic or social media, they're, yeah. they're really, really uh, in the majority of cases. But, um, yeah, I mean, once you have the outline
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then you have the design, um, you know, in between that, uh, you know, you want to also establish the um, the focus and the medium. So, mm-hmm. who is your audience? Who? Are, what am I creating this for? Is this sales oriented? Is this for, um, you know, educational purposes? What is uh, what is the purpose of it? Um, also, the type of content that you're creating. Uh, so, is the content where I'm comparing something to something else? That's going to be more of a comparison type. So, if it was a um, you know, it's great to use infographics for um, visualizing these kind of things, like yep. a process or a timeline uh, comparison, because what you can do is you can create this very flow, uh, simple flow top to bottom, comparing apples to pears, you know, apples on the left, pears on the right, and you go through a checklist or visual, you know, the elements. So you actually want to establish based on the um, what you're trying to communicate, what is the, um, the format, the structure that mm-hmm. I think... Um, additionally, what is the medium that I want to create on? So the medium being, you know, obviously, if I'm going to be presenting in front of an audience or if I'm going to be creating graphic, that is going to be posted on my site or is going to be not conversational, in essence, uh, where Mm -hmm. a presentation, you know, you actually um, ask questions, you get feedback and answers, so there's a certain level of engagement. Uh, But uh, in the other end, though, will be as if it's going to be, Uh, Self-served, you know, it's going to be put online and people are just meant to view that Uh, You know, there's a little bit of a difference as far as the way that you may present and put that material uh, Together and also I mean again if you're you know the graphic or the visual that you're going to create What type of platform is it for is it going to be digital am I going to be printing it? Um, Is it supposed to be a slideshow as a pitch deck presentation? So these different things, you know, um, kind of can veer the way that you go about it. But from a very high level, the principles of it are not much different. You start with an outline and then you work your way through the type and then actually. Yeah.
1: And I would kind of uh, extend your uh, line of thought here in terms of, you know, setting. It's really there's two main factors that kind of uh, help you create your process. Uh, As you mentioned, the purpose and we talked about, you know, the different uh, uh, it could be top of the funnel, mid of the funnel, or even it could be like advocacy, celebrating a a happy customer experience. Obviously that's a factor in your planning. Mm -hmm. Number two, you mentioned the the platform experience. So obviously your visual content is gonna be different if you, as you said, going uh, to insert it in presentation format versus Instagram versus LinkedIn. So every platform has its own culture and you gotta respect that. So you yeah, kind of have those exactly two, right. two factors that kind of at play here.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you know, the, uh, absolutely. I mean, if you're, you know, on LinkedIn, it's going to be very business oriented and Instagram is more of a fun related. although it's, you know, you can do ads and different graphics for business, but it has a little bit of a different um, non-academic, you know, feel to it almost. Um, so, you know, you share your personal stories on Instagram, you mm-hmm. share your, you know, business experiences on, you know, LinkedIn. Um, exactly. Facebook can be kind of in between, but it's still more towards Instagram. You know, it's more of a social it's a social network uh, yeah. in that aspect. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, other, uh, the audience you're going to be presenting to really veers as far as how you're going to put that content together. So for example, um, you know, if it's going to be very specifically for academic purposes, mm-hmm. you can be a little bit more probably content-oriented. You could get away with having a little bit more tags and high mm-hmm. graphs and so on. Yep. Um, but if you're going to be, let's say, presenting to an audience has a very short um, memory in, in that aspect and they're just on a rush, so you know, you're going to be utilizing the, um, a marketer, for example. You're going to be presenting to a marketer at the top of the funnel. It's yeah. going to be to the point, quick, and pretty catchy, you know. Absolutely. so that's, uh, There's a difference uh, in, in that aspect. If I'm going to be presenting in front of an educational audience, mm-hmm. uh, the, the presentation, the way I put it together is going to be a little bit different than if I was going to be doing it, let's say, for a you know different criteria or enterprise uh, type of audience.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the audience is really key to – it's actually like – cooking a dish you know you got the core ingredients is your audience uh, you know they're in the buying cycle mm. and and in really in what uh, pot which is the platform yeah. experience you're actually yeah. going to cook it oh, <laughs> so,
2: no, <that's>, yeah, exactly <laughs>
1: so it makes a lot of difference
2: <laughs> you're right you're right
1: <laughs> great so, so now that we understand the, a bit uh, about the, the process uh, can you give us kind of a you know illustrative examples of uh, visual content that you think can really underscore you know those principles we just uh, discussed
2: uh, sure I, I can I can do that um, do you want me to share screen or we can just it, add that la- yeah. later on?
1: yeah see? we can add it later on yeah okay that's
2: yeah cool. yeah so um, yeah that would be probably better Uh in terms of examples, um, I think one of the things will be is this uh, video series I did recently about um, the um, infographics. It was episode one of the, um, actually, I think it's episode seven, but part one of how to create compelling uh, infographics, where I mm-hmm. showed what makes a good infographic. Right. There's a bunch of different examples where I showed uh, where what is you know positive, what is negative. I showed some good examples and I showed some negative ones, but. Uh, that same principle can be applied to the presentation. I believe the ones that um, they a they tell a story and there's mm-hmm. a little of a fun factor to them. That's a right. Positive. Um, mm-hmm. I believe if the color scheme appeals to the actual um, story itself or the topic itself, uh, that's a you know a big. Um, and, that, you know, if there's a human factor to it, I believe that actually speaks volumes usually as well. So by, uh, oh, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean photos of individuals, but it could be representations of mm-hmm. individuals, you know. And so uh, being able to be bring the human factor into the visuals, uh, that really is uh, an effective, um, you know, means to do that. So you can kind of, uh, the viewer can kind of see themselves in that aspect and be able to do that. Uh, so I believe that's another, um, you know, a, a example. We did a infographic on. Um, and just
1: a quick note about that. Sure, I think sure. you know, I think uh, the example you just gave is is another factor that uh, maybe our audience uh, could leverage, which is education. Once you teach people <laughs> mm-hmm. something of value, the visual content is is really cutting through like uh, like butter because you're not selling any, them anything, you're selling them knowledge. And I Correct. think that's an important factor.
2: Yeah. That, that's exactly right. Um, and yeah, we did, we did an infographic just recently, one of our designers did it, and it's called, What is Paralanguage? And uh-huh. how you can use it to give better presentations. Uh, so that actually has a little bit of a, has some nice stats and figures, but also it has this human factor on a hmm. few different characters. So that's a pretty good example uh, that you can just kind of, um, you know, um, correlate with as an individual, as a viewer.
1: Cool. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so uh, now that we got a sense for the, uh, some examples as well, you know, at the end of the day, marketers uh, constantly execute uh, programs and they need to basically report to their leadership on results, Right. Yes. So, <laughs> as in, you, you, you're guessing where I'm going with that. So, <laughs> so how do you measure success? What are the KPIs for visual content that we know that we actually make in progress, and we can communicate it to, you know, our peers, to our leadership, and so on.
2: Um, uh, in terms of how to measure it, is that is that your question? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so there is this kind of, I believe, um, bottleneck in terms mm-hmm. of knowing, and uh, many studies shown uh, that it works, but mm-hmm. there is this challenge of being able to very clearly measure it um, mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, now I, I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, it's a little bit difficult to measure certain visuals. So, in um, when you when you create, let's say, an infographic, or And if you let's say, even a presentation and it's on SlideShare, um, often people don't have links on that visual, you know, or in an infographic towards the very bottom, typically they're images. And so, you know, when it says, you know, uh, created by such and such organization Mm -hmm. uh, that is getting credit for the data and so on, often that is not a link. So you can't really, in essence, click on it and then be able to through analytics measure, you know, how many people clicked over and came from there. They have to actually go to Google and type it in, or there has to be a separate link within the content of the
1: right. of the
2: article. Especially when the uh, infographics get shared over and over again, then from there you really can't measure the the rundown of the many different sites that may pick it up, but mm-hmm. you'll never see traffic from it directly. It might just be, you know, turn into organic.
1: Unless it's a, um, a, a sits on a Bitly or something, right?
2: Yes, yes. So that's right. Unless you actually go through that mm-hmm. um, aspect and actually tap into that, but many times, many you know, often people don't do that or they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a lot of um, um, loss of results uh, in that in that aspect. So it may show in other uh, metrics, mm-hmm. but it won't show directly as being you know correlated with the individual itself. Or it's difficult to have, um, if you have an article as a whole that has visuals representations on it, it's very difficult for you to measure if the individuals were actually engaging directly with that image. I mean, there is different heat maps and so on. You can measure some things, but most people don't um and so you can't directly measure that you can you know experience and say hey you know articles that contain x amount of images or yeah, kind um,
1: of a-b testing yeah yeah Mm -hmm. you can a-b
2: test it but in terms of knowing that specific article Mm -hmm. not a-b testing you can't really tell uh so Mm -hmm. there is that kind of a bottleneck um you know asset but but adding to the fact of when you have results if you have results generated from whatever marketing from whatever other Mm -hmm. avenues being able to actually share that information and that results mm-hmm. in a visual format versus some boring looking table that you had right. then you it's hard to be able to see trends and so on being able to see those trends and be able to highlight those stats mm. to your executives to your company to your organization uh is key uh right. so that uh, again going back to even completely outside of funnel it comes back to being able to tap into uh, visuals to actually improve the the engagement that the the individual has or the, your audience has to it.
1: Yeah, and I, I think also it probably has to do with the platform you actually communicated on. So obviously on Instagram you can measure that on mm-hmm. Facebook you can. There's tons of insights, but the key thing to remember is really, and I think that's what you're referring to, is really to set those KPIs uh, based on each. Uh, if it's a awareness KPI versus a consideration versus, you know, advocacy. So you can set them up and, and this way get a sense of how my program is doing in general. Because obviously you have t- a lot of kind of what we call weeds level <laughs> sure. metrics. You know, how many views on Instagram. Uh, it could be the same image that you actually put on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. St- each one reports differently. So obviously this is kind of the weeds level. So it's important to to come up with the kind of a upper level KPIs that can give you a good sense of the first view uh, of the business objective you set up to do. So, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely, you know, the, you're right. So I think that that part has some catching up to do in terms of, and I, and, and as more data comes and as people are able to measure that more, um, then the, the trend will continue to increase Uh in terms of, you know, towards the visual uh, communication part. But the also, I think there is another hold-up, is that most people, um, we're, majority of us are visual communicators, but we're not visual creators, right? right. So mm-hmm. that's where do-it-yourself tools like ours and many others are come to light because, to help to solve that challenge. But um, at the same time, I mean, look, you know, uh, I think that's a, um, a trend where, uh, I think I think looking back in five years, you know, you will have a tremendous amount of additional visual content being created. But at some point, a lot of that becomes noise too. I think it's starting to already look like noise. So you have to have something that, you know, it, it stands out or it's unique. And again, I believe that comes back to the story. You know, the visuals that tell the various stories or have that kind of humor or that sense of, you know, uh, emotional uh, connection they're the ones that are going to stand out over uh you know the noise. Uh so that I believe is where it goes. I mean there's often you think about National Geographic there's been images that in 2030 years are still remembered. You know yeah. I still remember the photo I think uh this uh beautiful girl's uh, eyes I think she has a green eyes from Afghanistan I think she was from like Oh yeah
1: yeah 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 I remember.
2: So you know you think about yeah. like when I think of when somebody says you know National Geographic um Timeless
1: pieces, yeah.
2: Mm Yeah, that and one of an elephant, and so on. Those are ones that come to my mind, even though I've seen thousands and millions of images. Uh, So you know, it's it's a um, that it's that emotional, that kind of uniqueness uh, from it. And uh, and most people won't get it right. But even if you do a better job, uh, if you utilize it, it will work for you versus against you. And then you can kind of work on improving that. Uh, within your uh, own kind of uh, parameters.
1: So it's, uh, you pretty much touched on my next question, the future of visual storytelling, that if I heard you correctly, it sounds like, you know, if you can you know, they kind of summarize it in one sentence, is that regardless of the technology of the day, the story always wins, in essence. Uh, I, believe <laughs> I,
2: mean, I believe it does. You know, one of the things that I actually just did, you're right, because to add to that, it's not about where it being able to do more and more and more. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. certainly um, there's uh, you know a lot of studies of it, you know, an effective video, mm-hmm. um, which takes a lot more time to put together effort than just a static image. Right. They actually have higher engagement uh, than that. It still comes down to the story at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. But um, at, at the end, though, it, I don't think it's so much about where um, you know the more the more interactive technology or what you create gets the better the engagements gonna be. I think you know it, you that also can become noise. You can actually lose an individual with too much uh, interactivity uh, yes. example I think there's a lot of you know uh, movies that are created sci-fi and so on and you know I, even to this day maybe I'm getting too old I, I watch yeah. and there's way too much way too much action. When I look back and say, you know what, I like that movie, even though it was my favorite sci-fi, it had less, uh, you know, 3D and so on on it. And therefore, uh, so you can overdo it easily. That's my point. Yeah, you um,
1: lose the narrative, basically. You do. And I think yep.
2: that that's a mistake that we actually had made in uh, in my agency, where the whole, whole thing about Flash, you know, when mm. Flash went away, we used to create Flash sites. And all the sites have a lot of, uh, they had intros, there was music, there was audio, there was a lot of movement, objects moving around. Yep. People would look at it like, that's great, you know, that's cool, that's neat. Uh, looking back, though, <laughs> um, when that went away, it eliminated a lot of the noise because it was getting to a point where everybody's trying to outdo, every site was trying to outdo each other because the competitor had a flash intro that they wanted to have a flash intro. Yeah, that was yeah. interactive. So you're kind of lighting those things out and now it came back again to the messaging. So now you visit most websites, uh, you look at the home page there might be some motion going around, but it's back to that, you know, the story, the message, the visual element. So there's been actually a lot of cleanup.
1: Yeah, so it's a maturity aspect, I guess, of the market. That's Absolutely.
2: Correct. So that, I think, you know, going back, it's it's not about, you know, again, less is more is, uh, you it's know, true. is always going win in, in yeah. terms of communication.
1: Awesome. So I'd like to kind of uh, close, uh, maybe uh, if you can give us a kind of, you know, top three tips that uh, marketers and content uh, Folks could they take away
2: sure um number one you know you've got to know who you're creating for you have to have a deep understanding of your audience and if you don't get that down if you don't establish that number at the very beginning uh, you're going to lose the message mm-hmm. So then um, bring your story together and say it in a manner that's going to appeal to your audience so that's the end result and three turn the tables around and be the audience. Put yourself in their perspective and say, what could you have said? What could the product say to me? What could the service say to me? What could I read on this or get from this uh, visual that would allow me to engage better, that would actually convince me? So from those angles, I think you have a much better success rate than um, being the seller. So in other words, don't be the seller uh, you know, and I, I'm not using the word marketer because you know marketing. You're actually yeah, yeah. communicating or improving. But you know, when you're a salesperson or a sales individual, you are forcing someone almost to to take something. So don't force someone to do it, but just kind of, you know, speak their language and connect with them emotionally. And of course, it all starts with this story.
1: No, this is fantastic. No, thank you so much, Paiman This is a uh, was a wonderful a. Uh information and great uh, value I'm sure for our audience and how can people reach out to you how they can contact you
2: sure so um, they can um, find me on LinkedIn just type in my first name and last name mm-hmm. and connect with me if you're interested um, and um, also and as far as Twitter it's at payment uh, yeah. so the you can, you can connect to me that way And of course, on our site, uh, Vizme as well, you can always send a little support ticket and just say, "Hey, I want to reach Paymon," and they'll direct it to me.
1: Awesome, good stuff. All right, so thank you again for a wonderful uh, information. And just want to remind our audience that uh, this show is uh, recorded both uh, on video. We're going to have it on our website, the interactive video, also uh, syndicated on YouTube, and. The, the great thing about this show, it's also going to be formatted as an audio podcast. So you can actually subscribe to it uh, on uh, iTunes. Look for Visual Storytelling today. And you can catch up uh, on this show and other shows as well. So until next time, I wish everybody a great day and keep your story going strong. <laughs> Take care.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks, my man. Thank you. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.